featuring the creator and lead host of Clutch Crew Sports, Zach. Unfortunately, uh, Eric is an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and uh, he went through a pretty rough postseason watching uh, my Portland Trail Blazers pretty well dismantle his team, so... Dang, okay. um, I, I did, did not realize we were going to go into that. <laughs> you sure you didn't lose your train of thought by looking at this picture here? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Zach really likes Alex Morgan. Also featuring Eric, I'm a co-host. I specialize in NFL and NBA. If a topic upsets me enough, I'm going to rant about it. So, if Cincinnati... You know, wants to turn this around. They've got a few pieces that they can start with and then try to rebuild and get some more draft picks and get some younger talent in there and start it now. Just face it now that you're going to suck and try to <laughs> try to fix it for the future. For people that want to say Steph is an all-time great or one of the greatest players of, or uh, even maybe the greatest player of all time, how can you really say that, though, if he would have four championships and not have been the finals MVP in any of them? Featuring Nate, NFL and college football co-host. I don't think Indiana's very good being straight up, so I think that's <laughs> pretty fair. Spread, Indiana's getting spread triggered the cover. right now. You just triggered the whole state. And I've got to change on here. Oh, okay. But this <laughs> year, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to defend oh, okay. it. <laughs> um, I think... I do think Denver's a very average team. I'm going to stick with my Oakland pick. All right, guys. It's Zach here. We're going to bring you guys another topics episode. So these are just miscellaneous topics that we've each thought about and really want to dedicate a whole show to. And it just so happens to be for this episode, they're all going to be football related. Uh, it's not going to be like the last topics episode where it was just all about NFL referees. This is, you know, different games, different leagues, even of football. So it's going to each of us have have our own little topic that we're going to present. And mine is going to be about the XFL so you may have heard of it. You might not know what it's about, but I'm going to talk about that and what I think the league is going to end up being like. And then Eric's going to be breaking down some film of Jalen Ramsey in his first game as a Ram. Uh, Eric's really turning into the, the film studier. Uh, <laughs> I heard he, he studies film all day. So not, not all day. Oh. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Yeah, I just I like to be able to break down film though because I hate whenever anybody tries to argue with me as sports, but then the only argument they can bring up is stats. So I like to be able to like watch the full game, break it down, and analyze it. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. Like, was Jalen Ramsey's first game was it good? Was it bad? Was it mediocre? Like, you know, I'll let the film tell the story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and then. Nate is going to talk about the Monday night game we just had this past week, Patriots versus Jets. I think it was 33-0 to zero or something. So yep. I'm interested yep. to, to see what he's going to talk about that. And then the Mohamed Sanu trade, 
um, just took place today. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, too. He's going to lead the discussion for that. But we'll start with the XFL. And here, as you guys can see, are the names and logos of all the eight teams that have been chosen for the XFL. So one thing, you know, just looking here, you can kind of see the cities that these teams are located in. I think this is a positive for the XFL. Um, one, they're all major market cities. Uh, they're, they're, you know, you've got LA, you've got New York, DC, uh, Seattle, Houston, Tampa, uh, Dallas. So these are all big market teams. That's different from the AAF, which I really didn't follow that league at all, to be honest. But I do know that there were teams in like Alabama and Memphis. It seemed like they were in more secondary cities, and these are in really major cities. So I guess, I mean, I'm obviously going to be a Tampa Bay Vipers fan because um, that's where I live. But I don't know if these guys have made up determinations on their favorite teams or not. Have you guys thought about that or I'm just probably gonna go with the Tampa Bay Vipers since that's like your team and they're I am from Florida, but I mean I obviously being in Texas now I could go for Dallas or Houston, but I mean my true loyalty is to Florida, so probably going Tampa. Now if Victoria, Texas had gotten a team <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been bad for the XFL. So, <laughs> what about like six uh, people at the game? Yeah. What What about you, Nate? What uh, what do you know your team? Are you going by like a specific player or city or logo or what? What's your? You just don't know yet. Um, I think I'm probably going for Tampa Bay also, just because it's kind of the local. Um, some of my local team games will probably be on TV down here. I would imagine. Um, yeah, well, I'll get to the, the yeah, I'll get to the TV part soon. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's you know, eight teams here. I think it's gonna be pretty fun. But I'll talk more about why I think so as we move along. So here are the quarterbacks. Obviously, okay. So let me backtrack a little bit here. So the quarterbacks, the way that the league made their draft was interesting. They kind of separated by positions. So there's the quarterbacks, the skill position, the linemen, uh, the secondary, stuff like that. They, they made all these different position groups, and then they had a draft. And these are going to be the starting quarterbacks for each of the eight teams. Um, there's some names that you probably recognize. There's some that you might not, but these are still – I think a pretty quality group of quarterbacks considering that it's not the NFL. Um, I I think they did the best with what they were working with. And it's going to be interesting to see which of these quarterbacks is going to end up looking the best. And then what's going to happen with them. Are they going to move on to the NFL or are they just going to like end up becoming XFL legends or something? So we'll see. So, Nate, you talked about the TV schedule. I know this is a lot on here, but this is all of the ABC ESPN games. So they show two games a week, and 
I counted it up. Tampa's actually got the most amount of national games on uh, either that or they're tied. Uh, So you'll be seeing them the most nationally. And this is really good, I think, because when you have these games played on major networks like this, it really goes a long way in attracting viewers. So people don't have to go out of their way to watch these games if they're on primetime TV. And let's face it, really the only thing at this point uh, they're competing with is going to be college basketball, uh, which obviously is, is going to be a lot. But still, uh, football-wise, there's going to be nothing really going on except for off-season stuff in the NFL. So the, I think, obviously, it's planned out. But right after the Super Bowl, this starts. So the whole you know idea is more football. They, they want more football. So that's kind of what the goal is with this league and you can see it's 10 weeks and then there's two playoff matches and then those winners go to a championship finishing in april so season starts february 8th goes to april 26th and then this is just the every so every team plays every week but this is just the matchups and stuff for for all the games um and to let you guys know the games that weren't nationalized on like this list, the other games are still going to be on TV, but they're going to be on like Fox sports one or, uh, I think maybe CBS sports or like something like, wait, what? That looks like this box like on the first week where Tampa plays DC, like the game under that LA and Houston, it says Fox. Oh Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. At the national well, network, there's some FS, there's some FS ones in there. Um, FS two, I, I don't, I've never heard of FS two, but, uh, but yeah, so they're still going to be on on major networks. Like I said, I don't know why they separated. They didn't include Fox on this list because that's major. But so, <laughs> I guess, uh, it says a little blonder there. So, and then another thing too that's interesting about the XFL is how affordable it is. This you're looking at season ticket prices for five games here, and they're starting at a hundred dollars. Which for a, for a lot of people, they pay a hundred dollars a ticket for one NFL game. So you're getting five games, and you're getting you know you're going to be at you're going to have still good seats with that even the cheapest tier here, they're still good seats. So it's definitely an affordable thing to go to. And that's, I think, going to help it out. And so what makes the XFL really different from the NFL is here's some unique rules that I've researched about it. So there's a 30-second play clock, and it's constantly running. So it's a little bit, it's well, not just a little bit. It's it's a lot. It's it's going to be much much faster pace than a normal NFL game because the play clock's always going to be running, out of bounds, uh, incomplete. Doesn't matter. The clock's still going to be running, and the only way it would stop would be like a timeout. And then I think this is a really cool idea. 
under two minutes, the clock stops on every play. So they're trying to use this as like the comeback rule. So it's like going to be more likely for there to be teams to come back. So you can't just kneel the ball down at the end of the game. Like you actually have to go and score no matter if you're winning by 14 or four, like it doesn't matter. You still need to get, you still need to move the ball no matter how, what the score is. Um, so obviously, and then also that kind of will even out the game a little bit because you've got the first uh, 13 minutes in the quarter clock running. So it's going to, you know, that'll go by quicker, but then this slows it down a little bit. I, I like that. I, I really do. That's one of, that's probably one of my favorite rules about this. And then the kickoffs are kind of going to be similar to the Canadian Football League style. So they're going to be kicked off at the 15. There's no fair catch. So obviously, if you're kicking it back at the 15, it's going to be, you know, much more likely to be in play. So there's going to all these kickoffs are going to be returned. And there's the five yard halo rule, which is kind of like in the Canadian league. So it's going to make kickoffs more interesting to watch, which to be honest in the NFL kickoffs, I think should just be canceled um, because they're so boring. Like it's, it's, it's gotten to be useless. Like punts are exciting, but kickoffs are, I, I would vote kickoffs out if it were, if it were me. So I agree with that one as another thing. Uh, multiple forward passes are allowed as long as it's not past the line of scrimmage. So it's, it's considering anything behind the line of scrimmage, not a pass. So it's going to be, you know, that's, it's just an interesting tweak. I don't know how often it'll be used, but, and then it, it definitely will. I mean, if you incomplete it and it doesn't go past the line of scrimmage, it's technically a fumble. Um, so that's that's interesting. I, I think, I don't know of any league that's done that before. Uh, so that that's something actually that might come up more than you think. Um, Two-point conversion shootout. So this is in the event. Okay, no, no. Yeah, two. Yeah, okay. So the two-point conversion shutout, shootout, that's like going to be the equivalent to overtime. So it's going to go by pretty quick, and it's going to be kind of like soccer styled, where it's like penalty kicks, but it's like instead of actually kicking, it's going to be just like two-point conversions. So each team will get five tries, two points for a success, and then one point if the defense stops the other team, and they're going to the way that they're going to roll this out is actually going to be the whole team is pretty much going to be on the field at one end is going to be one team's offense against the other team's defense. And the other end is going to be the opposite. And they're both just going to stay out there and just like alternate plays and they'll have five tries each. And like the scoring thing, you get two points. If you get it, the defense stops, you get one. So you, you go by the points and see who wins. Um, so I, I actually like that. It's It gives like a little bit of like a soccer style anticipation where it's like this play matters a whole lot. You know, it's always so dramatic watching those penalty kicks. It's going to be dramatic watching every play that this overtime has. And then the extra points are going to be different too. So 
I think the AAF didn't have extra points or something, or I don't, or they made all extra points like pass. I don't know, but this gives teams more strategy in the points. Like you can get theoretically nine points from one touchdown if you go from the 10 yard line. So from the two yard line, which is standard NFL two point conversion, you just get one point. So that's the safest. That's the least risky. And then you can get two points at the five yard line, or you can go for three from the 10 yard line. So it just makes it more interesting to watch than just the kicker, you know, you know, kicking it through the upright 95% of the time, like they do in real life or whatever the stat is. So those are some unique rules. Let me go back here about the XFL. And then I just kind of want to end here with my thoughts on the league. I'm excited for this. And I do think it's partially because I'm in a city with a team here. So I have more of an interest in it, but I still think that this is going to be a successful league because of a couple main reasons. Um, one, this has been planned out for a long time. The, you know, so they've been obviously the teams have their players now. The draft has been completed, but before the draft, it was a very long process of getting these players. These players weren't just picked off the street at random. This took several years to figure out and develop this league, which I think is a good thing because you don't want to rush into creating a whole league like this. And then secondly, I think they're getting rid of the gimmicks of the original XFL with like the wrestling component to it and stuff. This is going to be pure football. Um, And I think that's going to make it a better product to watch. Uh, It's going to get more of like the diehard football fan to watch these games. And another thing too, is the players that it's going to draw in. So it's got you know, the XFL is not going to limit you to years after high school to be in the league. As long as you graduated high school or are, you know, over 18, I guess, then you can be in this league. And that's going to be interesting because, you know, kind of like in the NBA, you've got the option to go to like the G League or overseas or something to make money but then you're not at college, but this is going to be kind of like that for the NFL. And you might see some star college players that need money right away, join this league because they can get paid for it. And obviously if college, like we talked about a couple story episodes ago, if all of the NCAA starts allowing you to profit and stuff, I think that this, you know, doesn't have that big of an impact, but as it stands right now, that's, I think, a pretty big advantage for the XFL. Um, but those are just my main things that I want to talk about this league. It's a lot. I, You know, you're just talking about a whole brand new league. Like, you could talk about every little thing about it. But I'm excited for it. I've been excited for it um, ever since they announced that they were going to start it back up again. I, you know, was a little child when they first had it first go around. So I don't really know other than just watching the videos, but it seemed pretty crazy uh, with uh, the wrestling component. So I think this is 
you know, they've said it's going to have very little in common with how it was. So all that being said, I think this is going to end up being successful. Um, I, I really do. I don't think it's going to have like the AAF did and fold after. I don't even think they finished the season, but no. yeah. So it, I think the patience of this league waiting, you know, to start up and picking the right time for it is a good thing. And I, yeah, I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself, but I, I'm like, you can tell I'm, I'm excited. So I'll let you guys, I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to hear you guys. If you guys echo what I'm saying, or if, uh, if you're just not interested, but you got, you got, all right. Um, I, I, I agree with that here. I'm pretty excited for this. Um, I'm, I go to UCF, so last year the uh, Apollos were playing right in my backyard here. So I honestly enjoyed the AAF. I thought that was a great concept, but obviously didn't have the money behind it. They didn't have the you know, a real commitment to see it through, which I think the XFL definitely has going for it. So I'm excited to see um, what they can do with this league. I like all those rules that Zach was talking about. I think it's going to make for some really fast-paced games. Um, what it sounds like will probably be done in about two hours, which I think is probably the perfect amount of time to watch a football game. You know, unless it's, unless it's something I really care about, you know, I don't want to sit and watch a game for three hours. So I think that's a plus. And looking at the draft that just happened last week, there's some really um, big names in this league. Like you saw uh, Larry Jones, um, uh, Cardale Jones, um, Sean Oakman. Is on a team, so that'll be interesting. Um, and a bunch of guys have actually had some real, like, pro experience. They, you know, had years in the NFL, which um, it's not just a bunch of like undrafted guys or practice squad guys who are trying to make a team. Like, there's some guys who've actually had some NFL success. So I'm, I'm with Zach on this one. I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I have my doubts about this, although. Zach had sent me a couple links to some videos. I, I don't, I don't know if you're going to put them in the uh, like description or whatever if people want to watch them. Yeah, sure. I'll come in. Yeah. So you should definitely watch that to get more information on it. I don't know how truly successful this is going to be. And I mean, and one of the things they did say in that video is that they're not trying to be the NFL. Like they know they're not going to be able to overtake the NFL or anything, but I still don't fully believe in this just yet. I'm not, although I was, when Zach first told me about it, he's like, oh, did you hear that the XFL is coming back? I was like, dude, this is stupid. Like it already failed once. You know, why, do, <laughs> why do they, why do they think they're going to be able to have success again? But now that I've seen some evidence, my optimism has gone up a little bit. I guess when, Zach first told me about it. My excitement level would have been a zero out of 10, but now I'm probably more about it. A five out of 10. The only one thing that I've seen in like those videos and stuff is they say, Oh, the XFL has so much money behind it and all this stuff. I don't know if I fully agree with that because while Vince McMahon is really rich, he, all, he doesn't even have the, the net worth of one single NFL owner. 
And so then he's trying to find everything for 18. There's like a bad echo going on here. I don't know. I hear that too. I'm not sure what's going on there. I, I don't know if that's on. I, I don't hear it anymore. So. Okay. Hopefully, okay. hopefully everything's okay. Okay. I didn't hear it at that time. So <laughs> uh, I guess I'm good. But that's going to be my only main concern. If I do worry that it's going to have the same thing that happened last time. I think it's doing it again. But um, it keeps throwing me off too, and I'm like I'm hearing myself. Um, <laughs> but I guess I guess that's really all I have to say. I guess I I'm going in with cautious optimism. But I guess the fear that I do have is that it's going to start off similarly as last time where it gets a really high rating, you know, through the first two or three weeks or so, but then people get bored with it or like, Oh, this isn't good. And then they, and then the ratings decline. So hopefully though, that they're going to play more of a pure game and hopefully with it being a faster pace game and probably the biggest advantage that I noticed was what Zach mentioned earlier, where all these teams are playing big markets and it's going to be on national television and stuff. I think that will help. So we'll see where it goes, but I'm not as excited as Zach and Nate, but I'm, I will definitely tune in. Awesome. So now we'll be moving on to talk about, you know, I'll let Eric introduce his subject. Sure, yeah. So there was obviously a lot of hype going into this Rams-Falcons game since this was Jalen Ramsey's first game as a Ram. So I picked this topic because I wanted to break the game down. I've seen a lot of fans kind of all over the place with this, like, some people were like, oh, he did a great – he had a great game. And then a lot, a lot of, of course, Jags fans saw the play where Julio burned him on one play and was like, oh, Jalen had a terrible game. So I heard a lot of different viewpoints on this. So I kind of wanted to break this down so we could really have an accurate depiction of what happened here. So in total, let me count it here real quick before I get started. So I have six plays in particular that I'm going to break down. Some of them are good plays for Ramsey. Some are bad plays for Ramsey. There's one that's kind of like a neutral play. But we weren't able to get a huge sample size in this game. He did only play in 65% of the snaps defensively. Some of that was probably due to not having full knowledge of the playbook yet. And then other part of it was because the Rams had a big lead late in the game, so they really didn't need him. So, but let's start with the first one here. I yeah. Think Zach has it ready to go. It's at the 725 mark. So what, before we play it, so I don't know if you click on the slow thing there, Zach, does that like make it play like in slower motion? That might be, I don't know. I haven't tried this yet, so we'll see what happens here. Yeah. Okay, it's a little bit slower. Yeah. Let's break it down this way. So that way you can see what's going on here. So uh, the first play is going to start right after uh, this was the play beforehand here. I guess maybe I should have waited until the play started. Okay, so Julio Jones is against Ramsey one-on-one at the top of the screen. And Julio's going to go on his route. I guess play at normal speed for right now. Well, the play's starting now, so... We'll do, it. we'll do it better on the next one. We're getting used to trial and error here, folks. <laughs> yeah. So... 
I'm not really sure how Matt Ryan missed him here because he was starting to get a little under pressure, but he th- throws it off his back foot. But yeah, you can pause it right here. I mean, you can see clearly that Julio was wide open right there. So I don't know if you can rewind it slightly, but you can go ahead and play it from here because watch Matt Ryan too. You're going to see that he throws the ball off his back foot, which at the time he was planning to release it, he wasn't really fully under pressure. He yeah. could have stood in there and thrown that. But yeah, so pause it like right around here. So you see right there, Julio's open by three yards. And just so if, if Matt Ryan doesn't overthrow him there, that's an easy first down. And that would have been on third and 10 too. So that would have been a really critical first down. And for some reason, Jalen Ramsey talked smack afterwards on this play. I'm not not really sure why he felt like he had the justification to do that because he was beat. <laughs> but so that was one of his bad plays. So now we're going to go to the 1130 minute marker. And this one we won't really need to we won't this one we won't really need to run in slow motion because this okay. is this isn't a pass play here. So this is going to be a handoff to Freeman and Ramsey's going to come up and force the fumble. Which I'm going to give him credit for that, even though Atlanta recovers this. I'm going to and go ahead and pause it because the next play is actually the very next play. But I'm going to give him credit for that because people have always given him a reputation for not wanting to come up and make the tackle, but he definitely did there. So I give him credit for being able to punch that one out, but I don't want to spend too much time on that one just because that one you know, wasn't a pass play, which is, I know what everyone's mainly concerned about, but that was a good play for him. And he's going to follow it up with another good play here. We'll go on to the next one. And then, uh, so he's on the bottom of the screen this time. So we'll try to slow it down here. Matt Ryan definitely forces this one. He had time. And pretty good throw, but, well, not a, not a great throw. Julio had to jump up pretty high to get that one, but Ramsey was all over him on that, so that was going to be a difficult catch for Julio. That was, in my opinion, Jalen Ramsey's best play of the game in terms of passing defense. So it's another play while well, I'll give uh, Ramsey credit on that one. So then we're going to go to the 15-11 marker. Yeah, that should be fine. I guess we had a touchback there. And now this one coming up here, I'm kind of surprised that Ramsey gets... So Julio's going to run right by him. And so we'll rewind that one and break it down again. But I'm kind of surprised on this one because if you look at the time and the clock and everything, it's under two minutes in the first half. So, so you know Atlanta's going to be trying to force the ball down the field to get into field goal range or maybe get a touchdown. So I'm not sure if he was expecting safety help over the top or if it was ba- a bad play by him. I'm not really sure what happened there, but Julio got by him. Oh, is that Matt Bryant just chilling there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's interesting. it was. But anyway, definitely uh, – Great play by Julio on this one. We'll watch the top of the route or top of the screen there. Watch that initial jump that he gets. He is going to kind of be perfect. Yeah, he just kind of made a little move to the right and then just took off forward and 
got a couple steps on him, or maybe like a, at least a full step on him right there. And by the time Ramsey got his arm up, it was too late. The ball was already there. So great play by Julio on that one. Not a good play by Ramsey there. He is kind of looking at his teammate there, so I'm not really sure, but definitely giving Julio all the credit on that one. So now we're going to go to the 1538 mark. This is actually not too uh, – it's actually like maybe the very next play. Okay, no, that wasn't it. Maybe it's the next one. Okay, yeah, I remember they circled the match. Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, so this is another. This is one that you're not going to see show up on the stat sheet, obviously, because Julio Jones didn't catch it. But this was another one, like the very first one we showed, where Julio got by him and really could have had it. And I don't know if you can slow this down because it's like, yeah. So yeah, I guess we'll rewind it back to the start. Yeah, and then if we can slow it down from here. So okay, yeah, this is better. I also like to look at the quarterback, too, to see, like, if he was under pressure as he threw this. But it's kind of the same move he did on the previous play, just a little stutter step to the right and then take off, and he gets by him. He doesn't have quite as much separation as the previous play, but it's enough. And Julio just barely had – if Matt Ryan throws that ball, like, six inches shorter, which is difficult to control that, you know, that you know that precise. Yeah. But – if he gets, if he's able to get that six inches shorter, that's another catch for Julio there. So, but I'm giving this one as a neutral play for Jalen because I think he that one the safety did come over, so I think he was expecting the safety help. So I think he was playing more for an underneath route there, and he still kept up on him. So that one wasn't really good or bad, but that is another one though that could have been a catch for Julio that would not have looked good for Ramsey. And then the very last play, we're going to go to the 17:35 mark. And this is one, this was definitely, even though Julio doesn't get a catch here uh, because of Matt Ryan getting sacked, this was not a good play for Ramsey. So Julio's on the bottom of the screen coming in motion here. It's a third and eight. And so I'll tell you when I want you to pause it. So you're going to see him kind of run like a drag across the middle. So you'll pause it right here. Like you can clearly see in the middle of the screen on the Falcons logo there that Julio's got Ramsey beat by two or three steps there. And if Matt Ryan is able to throw this pass, then this is going to be a first down, but you'll see like right after Zach uh, unpauses this, that Matt Ryan's going to get sacked right there. He wasn't, I think he was ready to throw it, but he got his arm hit and that's the overall result. So after seeing all of these plays, I don't know, Nate, Nate, I don't know if you had seen it. I know Zach and I went over these once, so Zach got to see it for a second time, a little more detailed. But I guess for Ramsey, I'm, if I was going by like a grade per se, I guess I would give him a like B minus or a C plus. Um, this definitely wasn't an amazing performance by him. There were a couple of other plays where it could have gone either way, where Julio could have maybe got a catch, but he didn't. But they weren't quite as impactful, so I didn't show those. But I felt like it was a decent amount of good and a decent amount of bad, so I'm not going to give him like a horrible rating. But I'm also not going to give him a great rating. And I know it was only his first game, so I won't go too harshly. But it, I definitely 
I listened to the last episode where the, uh, Zach and Nate broke down the Jalen Ramsey trade and they both talked about why they thought the Jaguars were the winners in the trade. And I have to agree with it too, because I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is going to fully truly be able to be a shutdown corner. Granted he was going against Julio Jones, who is one of the best wide receivers, but if you're getting beat like that multiple times in a game, then you're not worth two draft picks. And you know, the like $20 million a year that he wants to get paid. So it's probably looking better for Jacksonville that they were able to get rid of him. But you know, like I said, this wasn't a terrible game either. So we'll see how he does going forward with the rest of the season. But, you know, Zach, now that you got to see that again, and Nate, now that you got to, you got to see that breakdown, what, what did you guys think of Jalen Ramsey's performance? All right, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to give it a C. And you know, I'm trying to be unbiased here, but like I still think it's a C because the way that and honestly, I'll ask Eric this question. Sure. Ramsey, he hasn't been playing like it's from watching him with the Jags after his second season. Has his play not declined? A little bit. I mean, he because he was an All Pro in his second year, and that was the year the Jags, you know, made it far in the playoffs. But even last year, there were some times where, you know, he he let coverages up, and even in the Tennessee game, that one receiver, I don't even remember his name, but uh, it was you know practically like a nobody was burning him on some deep routes, uh, and he got lucky a few times and I noticed that too. The what I noticed from Ramsey as a Jaguar was when he got beat, he got lucky a lot. You know, lucky as in the quarterback missed the receiver. And I definitely noticed that. And that doesn't show up on the statue, it shows up as a plus for him because it was an incompletion his way. But there were times where he got beat and he got lucky. And then also there were times, I think, where he got away with pass interference or holding or something just because of his name, uh, you know, kind of having that elite player status to get away with some penalties. So all that being said, I honestly, I don't think he's the best corner in the league. I think right now Stephon Gilmore probably is or even another Patriot. Um, I, I can't think of his name right now, but I know he. I know He's both the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm giving him a C. The fumble was the forced fumble. That was a great play. That was something I hadn't seen from the Jags when the, his time here. I hadn't seen plays like that. Um, and he's honestly not known for getting interceptions either. You know, he never had like a huge season getting interceptions. But, yeah, I I think he played well. I mean, it wasn't like he, you know, stunk it up and and stuff. But, yeah, I don't think he played great, and I definitely don't think he played, you know, $20 million and two first-round pick great. So, I'm for that, I'm, I'm going to give him a C, just because expectations are higher with him too, you know. And when you play a Julio Jones, 
you know, it's obviously tougher, but I I don't know, man. I, I just feel like it I it definitely wasn't his best game. I'll say that. It it wasn't his worst, but uh I'm I'm just gonna give him a C average. Yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna echo um Eric here. I'm gonna give him a B minus. Um slightly better than better, uh, slightly better than Zach. Um but I will give him credit for coming into a new defensive system, um, having a few days of practice and going against Julio Jones, who arguably either here or um DeAndre Hopkins is probably those are probably the two toughest um coverage assignments in the NFL right now. So not a great um, first, you know, first game for Jalen um, to match up with um, his first game on the Rams. But um, at the same time, uh, like Zach and Eric were kind of saying, um, Ramsey's been saying he wants to be the best corner in the NFL. He wants to be paid as the best corner in the NFL for a few years now. And to have that kind of distinction, you've got to be able to go in there and lock up guys like Julio Jones um, week in and week out doesn't really matter the circumstances so I think overall he didn't do a bad job he didn't really get burnt um too badly but um for the type of player he um is kind of portrayed to be um what we kind of come to expect from him I would say that wasn't really anything special either you know if it was an average corner holding the holding uh Julio to that kind of stat line then yeah I would give him a B plus or A but for Jalen Ramsey, who wants, you know, to go be the highest paid player um, out there, you know, based on his coverage abilities, I would give that a, a solid B minus. All right. So now we'll move it on to the final topic. So, Nate, I know uh, you want to talk about the Monday night game. I'm interested to see where you go with this. Um, and then, of course, the trade, too. So I'll, I'll let you take it away. Right, so this was um, not a very entertaining game uh, for the national audience last night. Uh, Pats versus Jets it was extremely one-sided. Um, what I think was most notable, bu- most notable about this was the way that it kind of brought the Pats defense really into the national consciousness right now. Um, they've been killing it all season, um, putting up some great stats, holding teams to um very few points but i think last night on primetime tv was kind of their statement game um it certainly helped that uh sam darnold was mic'd up and told the whole <laughs> country that he was seeing ghosts out there um he threw four picks um i i believe he was held under 100 yards passing maybe maybe he got a little bit over that in garbage time but um i think right now the patriots um are kind of clicking on all cylinders. They've had some issues on offense, um, not being as you know crisp as possible. Um, but I, I believe those those issues are pretty correctable. But what I really want to talk about and kind of bring some focus to is his defense. I think it's been underappreciated um, this year and last year even, uh, just because they don't really have a whole lot of star players aside from uh, Stephon Gilmore and maybe. Um, Dante Hightower. There's not really many guys in this defense that are, you know, um, household names. Like, it's not the Rams defense with Ramsey and Aaron Donald. It's not um, the Texans with, 
you know, someone like J.J. Watt. Um, kind of a lot of unsung guys, like Zach was saying, J.C. Jackson, um, Kyle Van Noy. But what they're doing this season is really historic. I've got a couple of stats um, here. Uh, I got this from ESPN Stats Info last night. I thought it was pretty interesting. The Patriots have outscored opponents by 175 points this season, which is the second highest uh, differential through seven games in NFL history. And the team with uh, the highest differential was 1920 Buffalo All-Americans. With 1920 points. Yep, you heard that right. 1920 <laughs> Buffalo All Americans. So really, I mean, basically, you know, that's the, what the Pats have done is the best ever, especially when you consider this the modern NFL. And this team in 1920 was probably playing against, you know, guys that were part-time factory employees. So, um, <laughs> really doing some stuff wow. that's not ever been done. And I know they've had a weak schedule. All. 100% agree to that. You know, Dolphins, Jets, um, the Bills are not super difficult um, uh, defensive assignments. But, you know, there's been other teams in the past with easy schedules that haven't um, done something to this magnitude. And just another kind of uh, insight to show you how ridiculous the season has been. I pulled up the uh, fantasy football points um, at this point in the season. And in our Yahoo League, which is a PPR, a one-point PPR league, um, if you had New England's defense, they would be the ninth highest scoring uh, fantasy player overall. So ahead of uh, um, guys like Zeke Elliott, um, Julio Jones, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, like Pat's defense is ninth overall, which is kind of crazy to me that um, a defense put up those kind of points. They've got five touchdowns on the year. Leave 26 sacks. Um, just some really crazy stuff. So I think um, I said coming into the season that the Pats defense is probably their strongest unit. Um, a lot of people like to think about Tom Brady, um, Julian Edelman, all the weapons on the offensive side of the ball. But I think this defense was their best unit coming into the year, and they haven't disappointed uh, to this point. So that, that's going to be a big story outline to keep looking, um, to keep an eye on as the year goes goes on to see if they can keep uh, building on the success, uh, getting better every week. Uh, it's kind of a scary thought, but um, yes, yeah, so that's that's pretty crazy. And the other big news um, that I know a lot of Patriot haters out there are not going to be too happy with, um, they added another weapon for Tom Brady this morning in the form of Mohamed Sanu. Um, traded a second-round pick to the Falcons for him, which I think is a pretty good move. Um, I know there's a lot of um, people I've seen on Twitter. They wanted uh, A.J. Green or Emmanuel Sanders for the Pats. Um, someone with a little bit of a bigger name, um, more Pro Bowl uh, accolades. But I'm I'm excited about this new addition. I think he's a great fit for this offense. Uh, he's a big-bodied, uh, sure-handed receiver. Um, he's not you know a dominant number one guy, but I think the tools he brings are very translatable to any offense. I think he's a guy that, is, you know, he's not going to drop the ball when Tom Brady looks his way. I think that's something that um, this team is kind of lacking right now. Not not so much in the drop uh, department, but just somebody that's uh, a veteran guy, knows how to get, get open. Um, he'll kind of be able to help shoulder some of that offense. Um, offensive bird until Josh Gordon, Nikhil Harry, some of those guys get healthy. Um, 
So overall, it's been an interesting uh, two days for the the Pats. Uh, they've got a couple other guys. I just said Nikhil Harry, um, also uh, Isaiah Wynn, the left tackle, hopefully coming off injured reserve soon. So this is arguably the best team in the league right now. Is about to get even better. So it'll be interesting to see how this season keeps going. Um, obviously, the Niners are also undefeated out west. Um, could have a potential matchup with them in the Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I kind of just want to see, um, at this point in the season, what are your thoughts, uh, Zach and Eric, about um, this Patriots team? Kind of like an, un- I know I'm a little bit biased. I'm a Pats fan. Um, so kind of an unbiased um, view on the Pats and kind of the league as a whole right now. All right. So I'll, I'll start here. Um, my summary for what I think of the Pats defense is – really good but we still don't know because they haven't faced an offense in the top 20 in the league yet i i saw a stat where yes they you know they have all these amazing you know award like stats and stuff but also they haven't faced an offense in the top 20 which means that they haven't even you know, just look at the quarterbacks that they've played. You know, Sam Darnold, Luke Falk, uh, I think Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins, um, Case Keenum for the Redskins, Josh Allen, the turnover machine for Buffalo. Um, I'm probably missing one. Oh, Daniel Jones. So it's like yeah. they're playing these rookies and guys that are going to be replaced has been pretty much all of their people that they've played, except for Darnold and Allen, which neither of whom are, you know, were lighting it up really before they played the Patriots. I know Darnold had a good week against the Cowboys, but still it's not like he's really proven it in himself in years past. So I still don't think that this uh, – I I don't think that they're going to end up breaking the records or whatever just because they're going to have to start playing some real offenses. And, yes, they're definitely really good. I would say that they're the best in the league on defense. I still would say that, but I'm not going to go historical best. I'm not going to – you know, I'm not going to say that they're better than the 2000 Ravens or the 02 Bucks or any of those teams. So – Really good, yes, but I still think it's being a little bit too hyped up there just because they haven't faced anybody. And then as far as the Sanu trade, I agree with you, man. Uh, I would rather have Sanu than A.J. Green at this point in time. Uh, So, yeah, I I don't think that they should be upset about that. The price was pretty high, but Pats have lots of draft picks anyways, and, you know, they're all in for this year. So I think it was a smart move for them. Uh, and smart move probably for Atlanta too because they're completely, you know, sucking right now. So I guess it makes it worse for them, but they probably want to suck anyways now. So, uh, but I'll let I, I have a feeling Eric's going to kind of echo what I said, but I'll I'll give him a, give him a chance to talk, see if he thinks that they're better than the two thousand Ravens or the O two Bucks. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with Zach in the sense that. I don't necessarily 
I mean, obviously they're a great defense the way they're playing so far. So, I mean, they're obviously definitely not a bad defense. But I want to see them prove it to me against more of an elite competition. If they can continue to do that, then they, you know, they could be in contention, you know, to be better than the 2000s Ravens defense. But for now, they just they haven't had a large enough sample size yet. Uh, nobody they've played offensively has been a team where you're like, man, I'm really scared of that team. You know what I mean? So, but at the same time, I mean, they're putting up ridiculous numbers right now, so it's hard to argue with it. As for the Sanu trade. I'm not quite as optimistic as you guys are about it. I He's a good player, but I definitely think they gave up way too high of a draft pick for him. Atlanta definitely won the trade for sure. But I do also have to agree that they are in win-now mode. They're, they're trying to win the Super Bowl. They're all in. So I'm not going to fault them too much for it. I would have rather only given up maybe – third or fourth round pick for him. But, you know, if it, if he ends up propelling them to the championship, then obviously it'll be a, obviously it'll be a great move for him. So I don't really have too much else to say, but I did not realize going into this though, that out of like all fantasy players that they were in the top 10 and fantasy points. So that was, yeah, that is ridiculous. Really, that's ridiculous. That, <laughs> that, for, a defense, for any defense to ever, I don't even think the 2017 Jaguars defense, when they were getting all those, sacks and you know sacks and interceptions and stuff and i don't even think they were that high i mean the new england patriots defense has more fantasy points than aaron Rodgers. that's crazy (laughs) yeah even with that monster game he just had so that that's that's pretty unreal so i want to see him play a good offense though before i get too excited about the defense but at the same time i like what they're doing so I, i i can't fault them all right guys so that wraps up our episode for today um coming at you guys next week we will have another reaction video uh not too much was gained or lost from last week with our picks uh nate improved the most i think out of both college and uh nfl but i'm still in first place in the college picks nate is still first place in nfl picks and the rest of us did about where we were at, maybe going up, up or up or down a percentage point or so with our total correct. So those have been kind of stagnating, but we'll, we'll show you guys next week, a recap episode uh, for college and for pros. And we'll come back at you with another story episode in a week. Uh, probably won't be all football topics. Now the NBA starting and Lakers Clippers is on right now. So that's going to be fun to watch. But thank you to everybody for listening. Yeah. What are you say, spoiler alert, Zach, you may need to pull up the Kyle Lowry missing persons poster. <laughs> I, will, I will give him slight credit because he did hit a fairly clutch three in overtime. But I know Zach had told me at one point that Kyle Lowry was like three of six. And before he hit that clutch three, he was three for 15 or three for 14. I mean, so he definitely missed a bunch of shots in a row. He went missing, folks. He went missing. Yeah. Well, I would not we expect anything else of, of Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so, okay. there was some breaking news there. I just had to throw that in there real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
if if we ever did like a NBA fantasy basketball fantasy basketball thing, I would never have Kyle Lowry on my team. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would just be making fun of whoever has him. To be honest with you, but um, but all right, guys. So take care and hope you guys have a great rest of your day. See ya. Peace.